back to Inside the Huddle, sponsored by Advanced Medical Imaging. Here is your host, Jay Foreman. We are back. Is this something? Are we, are we in effect in 2023? Yep. <laughs> we are set. Absolutely. All right, man. After some, te- after some te- technical difficulties, man, um, we are back inside the huddle. Jay Foreman, Harrison over there. Uh, I am obviously not in studio uh, trying to uh, understand this Wi-Fi issue that we have in Ojo, but we <laughs> think uh, we got it figured out. But um, we have two long segments. Obviously, uh, we're going to dive right into the game that, uh, between the Gophers and the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, Thursday night up in Minneapolis. Obviously, it didn't work out the, uh, the way that everybody hoped and planned. Um, and, uh, you know, we had control of the game, lost control of the game. Um, you know, I think, you know, and then obviously the way it ended was not the uh, the way that anybody wanted it ended. The players, coaches, or definitely the fans probably left disappointed. But, you know, really when you think about how the game started, Harrison, you know, you expected the team to play a little tight, you know, a little be a little bit nervous. Um, Minnesota's had a good defense. You know, over the last three years, they've been ranked in the top – uh, four or five in the Big Ten, and, the, and no lower than fifteen in the na- in, you know national overall defensive ranking. So you know that their defense and what their defensive coordinator Joe Rossi you know had built up there. You know what you know you knew what they were going to do, especially being at home. Uh, you know that they had some you know good players. They got a first round pick at safety. Uh, with a really good linebacker was hurt, and they always have had a couple good corners. And then obviously uh, got good interior defensive line. I think one of the things that really um, Minnesota really wasn't proficient at last year was rushing the passer. Um, and so, you know, they came out excited and uh, Nebraska started a little slow. But, you know, our defense, you know, kept us in the game. You know, it was uh, 3 nothing at halftime. You know, definitely, you know, had a couple chances to, uh, you know, have the lead. You know, I really think that when you're on the road, points are a premium, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how it looked. And when you start putting points on the board, it kind of makes everybody on the sideline loosen up a little bit or play a little bit more freer. And obviously everybody is, you know, talking about the um, interception right before half. You know, that's something that's the worst case scenario, you know, really with is one of those cause and effect things, right? So um, let's go all the way back to the first interception, right? Um, and if there's ever any positives in that, you know, you got to think of it. So, um, Justin tried to hit Billy Kemp, I think, um, on like what looked like a crossing route. You know, by my estimation, he probably had around five seconds to pass the ball around there. He had a lot of time, wanted to step up, kind of didn't step up, wanted to get, you know, feed the ball in there and forced it in there to double coverage. So, you know, obviously the, the decision-making there to force it in there probably that late in the, like, play clock, clock right? So mm-hmm. um, what happens is, is quarterbacks have an internal clock and they, you know, three, with a three, three and a half seconds at the most, they got to get rid of the ball. Well, also you got to think that, you know, the only, I guess one of the positive things is, is, is the, the protection from the offensive line for you to be able to step up ideally, in five seconds, you're able to go from your first read, second read, third read. You locked in on number one. Um, unfortunately, the first interception. And then when you think of, uh, you know, you, you kind of, the defense comes on, makes Minnesota 
uh, punt. You know, Minnesota had, uh, I think, a, a couple penalties of their own, which is good. You know, they showed some discipline on our on our side and lack of continuity discipline on their side. And uh, so we get the ball and drive it all the way down there. Doesn't really have – doesn't look the prettiest, but we drive it all the way down there right before half. I do believe um, the pre- two previous plays that Gabe Irvin's um, – Touch or let or a touchdown or Dave Irvin's run was a touchdown. Um, the problem is, and this is what people have to understand, and this is what I don't like about the the replay rule or the, I guess the bylaws of it. Mm-hmm. If you call it, you know, call him down at the half yard line, it has to be so like clear that it's a you know that it's a, a touchdown. Well, in reality, is I guess in the NFL rules, you know, when your elbow, wherever the ball is, when your body part hits, it's a touchdown. Well, they just went with the, the back up the refs because they, for whatever reason, they don't want to ever have the refs look like, you know, they're, you know, mm-hmm. in the wrong. They went where his elbow went down and it's a subjective call. You know, they had, they, they, they you know, if they ruled it a touchdown, it's a touchdown. If they didn't, they, they're okay that either way. Well, then we try to go up and do what's called goose. You know, that that's called a, you know, goose essentially is a quick snap quarterback's a neat 6'4, 225 pound quarterback. And the college rules have changed after Reggie Bush and uh, the, the USC Trojans out at Notre Dame, where you can just bum rush the, you know, the quarterback in there. Safe play, um, Ethan Piper, uh, false start. And now you're back five yards you know, from you're at the five and a half yard line, all right, or five yard line. The the problem with the false start is this. When you're that close to the center and that close to the scrimmage, you're not going to blow anybody off the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they know what's coming. The you the Really, all you have to do is just get in the way. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like a a guard or a tackle in in um, field goal protection or extra point protection. You're essentially just kind of bending over sideways and making sure you don't give direct access to block the block the kick. Well, he got jumpy, and he did that a, a quite a few times. And sometimes, you, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, he's playing scared, but you're playing definitely in an anticipatory manner, meaning that you're going out and – anticipating and over you know overextending yourself on 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 plays and you cost the team five yards right okay five yards no big deal but the problem is this when you when you fall start like that it's a it's either a 10 second 10 second runoff or you have to call timeout well you come out of the timeout have a pass play easy route combination kind of a corner route stop or it's pretty much a bot i thought we used to call it a box out route by Tony Gonzalez or any tight end like that, size of Borkature or Fedoni. Tight end goes, comes up, curls right, essentially a half a yard in the end zone. So if I'm playing behind him, um, I can't get him, I can't get to the ball because of the catch radius of the tight end. Or if I try to go around him or through the side, then, you know, the quarterback has to fit it wherever I'm not or based on the leverage. Well, Minnesota saw that he was trying to fit it into the corner route, right? And that's something that generally you do in practice when you hold the ball more than three seconds in practice in the red zone. So if the if the internal play clock in the 
field is 3.5 seconds, the internal play clock in the red zone needs to be like 1.8, right? Everything's happening quicker. You got to make quicker decisions. You know, quicker decisions, the first thing that you see and the first thing that you, you feel you go with. Well, he held the ball, tried to get it in the corner. Gopher's a receiver did a really good job coming off of like his coverage, getting underneath the route and uh, intercepting it. And it's a, it's, it's a, a worst case scenario, a three point turnaround, maybe, you know, seven. You know, and so instead of going in and tied, worst case scenario, or going in with a four point lead, either way, now you just, you know, gave you gave away, you know, easy points on the board. Um, and going into halftime. So that was a little disappointing. And, you know, I was a little worried about how maybe that would affect Nebraska, you know. Um, but, you know, I was more than pleasantly surprised and kind of knew that maybe Matt Rule had planned for this. Not planned for it. You never planned for, to have those th- series of plays, right? <laughs> I it's not like you practice those. <laughs> I, you know, but I think that he had mentally trained these guys to understand bad things are going to happen and we're – okay and we're a good enough team to bounce back from it right he said it before halftime when he got interviewed and uh you know come right out and have a 65 yard return by Ramir and um you know end up scoring seven points now you know the way we scored there was a it was a great play call by Marcus Satterfield um well run just not executed to the utmost perfection with Jeff Sims dropping the ball, but I like it that he, you know, kept at it, um, chased the ball anyways, because you never know what the ref's going to call. Got a good bounce off the uh, field turf. Had the wherewithal to hit the open receiver with his bullets. Touchdown. We have the momentum. Right there, it seems like that's where our, I wouldn't say our avalanche goes, but that's that's where we started to really gain momentum. You saw the guys on defense flying around. You saw the sidelines you know, really started believing in ourselves. Like, hey, look, we actually got, you know, some dumb luck to go our way, right? And so when you think about it, you evaluate the game in the in, in two halves, obviously, but you really evaluate it in, in the momentum shifts, right? The Gophers came out, took the momentum. Nebraska kind of held held serve a little bit. Nebraska got the momentum going in the, ha- in the halftime, gave it away. Nebraska comes out of halftime because they had the ball and took it and secured it firmly on their sideline. Had a 7-3 seven to, seven, uh, to three lead. Um, going back and forth, teams were kind of, you know, I think a lot of both offenses, offenses took turns stubbing their toe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get, you know, the, especially for the Gophers and, and, and give them credit. They get the running game going, get a couple passing games going, um, quarterback are getting rhythm. And the next thing you know, they'd have a penalty or, or you know, we would make a, you know, obviously a tackle for loss or something like that, which is obviously good on us. But in the same thing, Nebraska would get some running game, get some running game going. You had a big run by Gabe Irvin. And then next thing you know, you don't turn that into touchdowns. Those, when you get big explosive runs, explosive passes, you're supposed to turn those into seven points. Both offenses did, didn't give credit for the, to the defense and defensive coordinator. Um, but then we were fortunate enough to have a 10-3 lead. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Gophers were des- in desperation. Uh, I think they were helped out by a penalty, and they drove it all the way down there. And next thing you know, Nebraska did a really good job on first and second down um, of essentially being on their heels, bend but don't break, but making some plays, right? Making, You know, they had a pass breakup, a tackle, and a run game. Third down, um, you know, kind of a crossing route or deep crossing around the end zone. 
defensive backs are there, have a chance to seal the game, mm-hmm. drop the interception. I talk about cause and effect on every single show that I'm on because it, it because it's it's crucial, right? And and it's not saying that technically you lost the game, but it's, it's the cause what generally happens. Football is a weird game, Harrison. Seriously. I, I mean, I watch football all weekend. I, I mean, I'm going to watch it all today. I wish you, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start counting maybe today, and I'm going to have it next for, for next week, is how many times a big penalty, a busted coverage, a simple tackle leads to a touchdown within two or three plays or a game-changing play. I'm telling you, man, it is like almost like 100%. Very rarely, you you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because you know we had Gifford, he dropped the touch, it dropped the interception. Yeah, it would have been a hard interception, right? Dropped it. I think he look. If you're out there, I think you're good enough to make that play. Yeah, okay, I mean so he, he had did. two hands on. He was pretty much had it. He right. in his head, he's got to get that one. Right. It, it, it's the old adage that the receiver coaches used to say: if it touches your hands, you got to catch it. Yeah. Right. That's a, it, <laughs> that's only that's only that's only rings true for Jerry Rice, but. Uh, <laughs> I still think he should have got it. I still think he should have got it, right? So, mm-hmm. okay, he did. It's fourth and ten, and it, it's do or die, right? Minnesota essentially has to score or, you know, get close to the end zone. And Nebraska got burnt um, on, I think, a series before or in a, a few plays before where where Newsom was trailing the receiver man-to-man in the, in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And so Tony White knew that, right? It's a it, look. Quentin Newsom did an awesome job playing through the whistle, and they they tried to fit it in there, but he caught it out of bounds. So in that sense, Minnesota thought that Nebraska was going to play man. Tony White did a really good job and said, "You know what? I'm going to play zone." And maybe in and you know what defensive coordinators watched what the other defense is doing. He saw that Minnesota played zone in in the red zone, right? Mm-hmm. It's fourth and ten. You know, you don't want somebody to have good coverage and get a cheap, you know, pass interference penalty or something like that, give them a first down, and then they got another four downs essentially just back their way in. Calls a zone, really good call because of the formation. You have Javen Wright, Buddha inside. You have the safety over top inside. Essentially, Hartsog just got to take care of the outside, right, mm-hmm. to the wide side of the field. So you're almost playing in a – type of defense because you could you could get a crossing route coming from a, another side of the formation or you could get that slot or somebody coming out late right trying to run a confusing route to you where the one goes and takes the safety and the slot comes out to the corner to see where you're at well ultimately they just ran a corner route on you expecting man mm-hmm. it actually was the perfect route for the perfect coverage which would have been zone Hartsock jumped on the on the on the slant at about four or five yards, which you should never do, probably in zone, um, on fourth and ten. And uh, Callum McNinus made a perfect throw, and it's a perfect catch. It was a phenomenal catch, right? But I'm willing to bet if if the if the receiver wasn't open, well, completely wide open, yeah. he doesn't throw that. Well, I mean, he you doesn't. said it yourself, Hartzog. I mean, he had help inside. He just had to hold. He right. just had to hold the outside. He, he had one one thing he didn't have to do was step inside. That's where all his help was, and uh, yeah, that it was just a huge mental breakdown by him. Which, um, and again, I think it was a lot of those first game errors. I'm hoping that it's just small mental breakdowns that they get back to because a lot of that 
again, was just those small errors. Perfect coverage by Tony White, like you said. He's just got to watch the outside. He has all the help inside, and, yeah, he just bites. Touchdown, easy touchdown. And, again, I think the pass was a little inaccurate, but he was just that wide open. It was a great catch by the receiver, but you just can't get burned like that. Yeah. I think that was probably the worst, you know, coverage I saw all night out of Hard Sock. I don't all think night, he's yeah. that player, but, you know, yeah, I was that's still disappointed. And that's what, and, but those are the things, the fourth down and ten, you got to understand the game's on the line. you got to expect the ball coming your way. Mm-hmm. And you got to – and that's the hardest thing about playing, right? And Hard Sock really – he started, you know, the second half of the season. He's he's still inexperienced, right? Understand that being in those type of situations, making those plays. Don't don't think that you know they're not coming my way. The mindset needs to be they're coming my way. And it's, and really, to be honest, with you, a little bit tighter coverage. I don't think he makes that catch because when you have that much separation, you can kind of go through your um, on air foot, you know, footwork, toe, toe drag, swag. And the quarterback doesn't throw it in there with the worst case scenario, I guess, you know, it's there. He bobbles it. It's not the quarterback's fault if he doesn't catch it. But when he does, it turns out to be, a you know, obviously a game changing catch because it gave them momentum when I'm willing. I, I'm not willing to bet. I know on that sideline, they didn't think that they were going to get the get the touchdown. It was a surprise. That's where the pandemonium and, and, and the excitement came from. Like, holy crap, we just made a miraculous catch, pretty much a top 10 catch of the weekend, top five catch of the weekend, and now we tied the game when actually we were thinking about how did we lose this game because all the pressure was on P.J. Fleck and the Gophers to win this game because they were favored. Nobody expected Nebraska to win. Nobody expected – they expected Nebraska to to be somewhat of a surprise because it's a new coaching staff, but nobody expected Nebraska to win. Everybody up in Minneapolis was talking about this is a year – somehow some way that pj fleck because of the turnover in the big 10 west has to get uh, the gophers to indianapolis so the pressure was on them so those are the things you got to think about when you when you're when you're out there playing and and if you just sit back and let the plays come to you 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 know you'll be fine every game comes down to four or five plays it really does and then unfortunately for us all five of those plays they work out for us if there's like six if there's six to eight plays we we were involved in six of them in the bad way, right? Yeah. You got four interceptions, a busted coverage, so that's five, right? Um, but you know what? As much as we're talking about this, Harrison, the game's still tied. We had it with two minutes and 39 seconds. The yeah. offense, in, including Jeff Sims, um, was were moving the ball, I will not say easily, but at a steady pace down the field. And I think it maybe it was a timeout. Correct me if I'm wrong. Come out of a timeout, right? Get a first down. Yep. And we're in, in, in his first down. And uh, we'd run and, you know, start to feature Marcus Washington a little bit. It probably would have been a really good time to try to get Billy Kemp going on. But, you know, I will say this, you know, everybody can talk about scheming up Billy Kemp. He had Velcro on him, man. I was going to get out. He, didn't have no, he had no separation. I want to ask you about the wide receivers later when we have time for it. I'm curious where yeah, you're feeling. Yeah, second segment. We're going to we're going to get into it, okay. man. And uh, you know, it's just a recap of the game. You couldn't get open, but really, you know, you come out of there at first down. You know, you, 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 you I always look at sometimes in those situations first down. I call them dummy downs or waste downs, right? If I'm a coordinator, and then as a defensive guy, this is what I think. If you're going to run the ball, it's got to be within the first two two uh, plays and if you call a run and say you get six yards 
well, the defense is dumb enough to give you six yards. Now I could be ultra aggressive or I could just run it again. So now the defense is on their heels, right? And sometimes a defense will give you a free first down. Not give it to you. Say not, they won't tell you, but they'll call coverages or defensive fronts to give you a first down. So we've decided to pass. Now, the, 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 I guess in theory, the, the play was okay, right? The play calling, because I, I, I always say this, there's not a play out there that if it's executed that you can't get some sort of positive yardage. There's not. It just doesn't work like that. The problem was the decision-making and the execution by the quarterback, right? And so when, you know, when the safety comes from the other side of the formation, the slot formation, and is able to pick off a ball on a skinny post like that, you've been staring down your receivers way, way too much all night long. And it's probably one of the things that Jeff Sims did with Georgia Tech. They were, they, they, they were, they, they were study tape. They go back and they ask and, you know, they just played, you know, what you've been doing all night and made a great interception and they get it. Then again, I still had confidence that the defense was going to get us to overtime. I'm not sure about you, but I did. Um, I was a little surprised got, that final drive where they, they, I don't want to say they gave in. I mean, they were, they were out there on the field for quite a bit. But I was surprised. I mean, at the, that last drive there, you thought they're gonna be able to hold their own, and it was it looks pretty easy for Minnesota to walk up and get in the field goal range. But I don't want to put you know you don't want to pin the defense yeah, yeah. either because they played well enough. You would yeah. think thirteen points is good enough to win that game. Yeah, I think I think they the, it's a little part of getting over the disappointment of another interception, right? Versus looking at it, all right, let's go out and shut these guys down again. Let's go. Okay, it's, it's it's sudden change, right? You're defending. You can't think like, oh, we we can't give up 16 yards of field goal. Let's give this night. Okay, we can't give up 16. We let's only give up 13. Figure out a way to change your mindset, and I think that's where they need to get you to the next level. But also, uh, but ultimately, Harrison, even though they didn't look like they had the same type of zest for it, they had them right where you wanted them. Minnesota, I think, called a timeout, and they gutted them with that 12-yard run. Mm -hmm. That was it right there. That's the inexperience of some of the players out there not understanding and after two passes that they will run the ball because they're trying to get in the field goal range. You know what I'm saying? And so that 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 was probably the most disappointing thing. And then the kicker was, you know, was a good kicker, man. He's one of the top-ranked kickers coming out of high school when he did. Um, and he made a good kick, even though that, you know, he missed the 54 yarder before. So, um, and that was the game, you know, pretty much a walk off field goal. So, you know, how things out Nebraska had the most, the momentum essentially for, they were in an advantageous position because Minnesota didn't put them away early for pretty much the entire second half. I'd say, they, I mean, yeah, we came I mean, into all the third quarter, until, like, I'm trying to think, Johnson, you know, right? the three quarters of the third quarter, I mean, pretty much the whole game. Nebraska was right where they needed to be on the road, first time head coach, first time quarterback. Everything's new. They, they, they eighty-five, ninety percent of the game was where, what you wanted in Nebraska to go away. Those last few minutes, where you weren't able to execute and do the simple things, really hurt Nebraska and end up losing. And you know, there's a lot of positives that came out of it. I felt like the offensive line, even though they had the same cast of characters, looked better. I think um, in interior, they, you know, I think that, you know, everybody's all Turner Corcoran on the two sacks. Now, I will tell you this, and I'll, before we go to break about two sacks, 
he needs to do a better job in his, in in being playing with the, you know playing more physical with his punch and um, pad level, right? I call it leverage. But both times he was expecting inside help, right? Mm-hmm. Here's a little tip I always tell people that, that about offensive line, or especially when you play linebacker, right? Because I've I've gotten burnt doing this. Don't play hoping or expecting help. Play football. You know what I mean? And so in that case, block the dude. Obviously, you understand where your help's coming from. But if your help ain't coming, don't let the dude get in there. That's probably the only eyesore. Um, they did an okay job, I think, running the ball. Not a lot of chances. Um, but they did good in the quarterback run game. So I think they did a better job than they usually have gotten credit for with the same cast of characters. They definitely can play better. Um, but they, you know, definitely held their own. Um, especially being on the road. Now we need to get rid of some of the. Uh, I think we had a one or two false starts, right? Yeah. Or one of them. Particularly and, in the red guess, zone. Let's throw the tight ends in there. Throw the tight ends in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to. You can't. You can't do that. You can't have legal formations and uh, false starts. So you got to nip that in the bud. Uh, but overall, they should, you know, feel like they're, you know, a little bit better. I think Ben Scott helped. I think when they brought in Jenkins as the tight end, I think that helped. I like the innovation, or not innovation, but the, I guess, a different mindset of Satterfield and Rayola. Jenkins is good. He, he plays with good tenacity. Throw him in there at tight end, right? Try to mm-hmm. get it. You saw some good things there. You saw some movement, right? Yeah. Um, so I felt like they did good. I think the running backs did okay. I, I mean, obviously, Anthony Grant, you know, it's two, it's two different things, right? Gabe and Ramirez, I think, did good. Anthony Grant did good besides fumbling. You have got to stop fumbling the ball. It was bad ball technique under pressure. That can't happen. Um, but when we come back, uh, Harrison, um, we're, we're, let's, let's talk about the wide receiver room because I think that's interesting. It's going to be something to really keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And then we're, let's include the tight end room there. We're going to talk about that. And then, obviously, you know, we got, we're on the road going up there to Boulder. And we got to dive in and see what we got to deal with up in, in Colorado and and uh, get people's mind right. So, uh, Jay Foreman and Harrison, uh, Inside the Huddle, brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging, 7601 Pioneers Boulevard. Uh, we'll be right back. Back to Inside the Huddle, sponsored by Advanced Medical Imaging. Here is your host, Jay Foreman. We are back inside the huddle. Jay Foreman, uh, second segment. Um, you know, after a loss, man, it's hard, man, because you know that the fans and everybody can get down. You know what I mean, Harrison? But, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, it's just part of the look. It's, it's part of the deal. You know, really, the, you know, the expectations. You know, sometimes people can be very short-sighted, right? Where he's like, you know, I have to curtail it about, you know, some of the, the things that I saw out there, you know, that were some somewhat alarming that you can draw a blank, you know, assumption off of one game. And, um, and, but that's where, you know, high hopes, you know, I think, you know, throughout the whole off season, Matt rule and staff has, has done a good job of putting action behind what they've kind of said, you know, and, um, and so people expected to see, you know, some things different, but you know, what you also have to understand is in every football game, no matter who it was, Ohio state, Alabama, Michigan, you know, there was turnovers in every game, right? And there was things that uh, the players that were, you know, were coached to do that they didn't execute to the utmost 
uh, perfection, you know, out there on, you know, whenever they play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you will see today, you know, you got a big game between LSU and Florida State. So that's where Nebraska's at. And then, you know, sometimes when you're playing against a good opponent and a, and a rivalry, a rival in Minnesota, somewhat rival, at least Big Ten West, you know, thorn in the side, they know you well enough to and know your personnel well enough. You might have a new coach, but they know your personnel, right? And they know uh, your strengths and weaknesses for the most part. And so that's where mistakes come from. But then also, you guys also have to think that there were some positives in the, in the, in the things that, you know, were, you know, had played Nebraskans, you know, some time. The special teams was uh, a definitely a bright spot, right? Uh, the defense and everybody wondering what the three three five would look like. That game, the defense looked pretty good. Didn't look perfect, but it looked exactly what Tony White was saying. Um, you're going to put guys out there. They're going to run to the ball. And, and he, you know, his quote was, you know, they start at A. You know, sometimes they skip over B, but we've got to make sure they get to C with the right, you know, attitude and leverage. And for the most part, you know, I always tell you this about the defense. They look way more physical. They look like a better tackling team. Um, they look faster um, in the sense of so that lets you know that they know what they were doing. And they look like a more cohesive unit. You know, now I know it's just one game, but, you know, they very easily could have went out there and looked like they were confused and I don't know what to do on a big stage. And so when you have a lot of new starters uh, on defense, um, you know, that sometimes could happen where, you know, you don't go out there and put your best foot forward and uh, not, not play well. But I think the defense played well. They had an interception, great play by Omar Brown, um, who I feel like this. And just, to, you know, let's just look into the skill position or defense a little bit as well as evaluating them. Um, I felt like the defensive line did an okay job. Uh, I think Ty Robinson did a good job in the, in the first half getting some pressures. There's two legitimate holding calls that the refs, you know, missed right there. Um, obviously a bonehead play getting ejected with the targeting. Um, I don't like the rule, but, you know, the rule is the rule. Uh, I think Nash did okay. Blaze did okay. Cam Linhart did a really good job. Uh, but on that big run, you know, he needed it. He, he got caught peeking, needed to get inside there. But, you know, he's a freshman, so that's a freshman mistake, right? Um, you know, the linebackers, the two inside guys, I think, played pretty good. I think Luke Reimer started the game off with it the way he needed to. And then John Bullock, after starting a little slow, kind of guessing a little bit, really, uh, you know, settled down and, and started to flash and make some plays. And so I think, you know, as the season goes on and, and, the, and the more he plays, the more comfortable that he gets in his system. He'll play well. And so, you know, I think they had a, you know, a passing grade. Uh, the one disappointing thing was the jack position. Not, and that's the playmaking position in the front six or seven or whatever you want to call it. No activity. Not enough. That's the playmaker position. That's what you 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 brought here to make plays. Uh, they need to have a good week of practice in the next few days and, and really get it going because they're going to have to be uh, a total different animal, whatever combination it is. Chief Borders, MJ Sherman, or Jamarley Butler is back. Better get it together because that's where the defense is going to, if you want to take a next step, that, you know, that position, you've got to free up other guys, especially with Ty Robinson missing the first couple quarters. Um, and DBs, I, I break them up in two, right? I thought the safeties played pretty dang good. Singleton and Omar Brown. Singleton was flying around. You heard about rules saying he's going to be one of your better players. New coaches, staff, new. New life, definitely, because Deshaun Singleton was a potential group, you know, last year. Um, didn't really kind of get, you know, a lot of reps. But you see why he was recruited. And I think he was a probably a blessing in disguise. He played really well. 
Um, Omar Brown played well as well. Excellent. Um, and Gifford, you know, held his own. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to downgrade him for dropping that pass, even though I think he should have. I'm not going to just take him from a B to a D. But, you, you know, if you want to be out there, you got to make those plays. So, overall, I think the safety and rover group did well. Um, but I think also then the corners, I think I was disappointed in the – the corner play, there's a couple of plays they had, they had lost their leverage, right? Um, those guys are too experienced at playing out there. And there's too much um, space and coverage, I think. And then obviously the last play for Hartsog, I think he's a better player than that. So it was an overall passing grade. You know, I think you're looking for perfection on defense because, you know, the way the offense played, you figure, you know, we got to hold them to three points or nine points, and we didn't. Um, so the defense, you showed the potential you could, right? Self-inflicted wounds. Uh, there's nothing that Minnesota did uh, besides take advantage of you know, right spots. Interesting, man. Um, you know, Bullock, it was good for him to be a walk-on, worked his way up. You know, him and John, big ups to them, earning scholarships. Um, coming on high school, uh, I think Alex Bullock, is, he's a phenomenal athlete, man. Yeah. I mean, he, he was good. He was good. He was really good at creating prep. I saw him play live a couple of times. I'm surprised they didn't offer him. Uh, there were some guys there before at Nebraska that were on a scholarship. They definitely Bullock was better. But, you know, with a new coaching staff, he's able to work his way up. Some injuries. And, uh, obviously, Xavier Best Levy leaving, you know, provided opportunity. I think he obviously, you know, showed well and expect him to play at or close to that, le to that level uh, moving forward. Um, but then everybody else was like non-existent. We talked about Billy Kemp. I think you got to find ways to scheme him up. Um, whether it's jailbreak screens, bubble screens, now routes. You saw that a lot with Colorado where they did it to their running back, but it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Essentially got the ball tossed to him. You know, Billy Kemp is an excellent, um, or was an excellent punt returner. Um, and then is your, and is your punt, punt returner. So he is a good punt returner. Put him in those situations, get him confidence, scheme him up to get him some, get him some routes. And, uh, you know, get him back on track for this offense to go. He's got to be, he's got to be, you know, a viable part, especially, uh, you know, you don't know how long IGC is out and Marcus Washington showed well in the second half. Um, but there's an asterisk by that. I think, don't, I'm sure people tell me during the week, I think he didn't play in the first half because he's suspended. Right? Yeah. Maybe. I'm not sure what the exact the reason half. was, but Matt wrong. Rule. Matt Rule did give some reasons uh, for. He didn't say exactly why, but he did state he was out for disciplinary reasons. So whether that be school or weight room, I'm not right. sure if you okay. pointed so out which I'm, one. Okay. Okay. Whatever it is, at that point, that's on you, man. I mean, you got to think. Okay, yeah, you had you know three catches, 31 yards, but you could have had six for 70. We needed you. So whatever rule you broke or rules you broke. I'm sure if you, yeah, I'm not sure if it's you're late one time that you're out for a half of football. The the, re, the repeat offenses, right? Whether it's one thing or a combination of things, you have to think right now. Was that so important for you to consciously break those rules? Because I don't think they have a ton of rules, right? So you broke those rules late, missing stuff, or not being a participation as much as everybody else. Worth not playing in one game in the first half worth potentially not being the number one receiver that you've probably hopefully trained and wanted to be all off season. Was it worth it? Not saying that you lost the game, but you didn't participate in the game. You get what I'm saying? You didn't help us win in that first half. 
And ideally, maybe even think about it, they even double down on it, right? I would rather throw a jump ball to Marcus Washington one on one versus have uh, Jeff Sims throwing the coverage. Right. Okay, now the water underneath the bridge. He came back in the second half, represented, right? Okay, so now that's what we're expecting. At this point, you can't have guys around that can't do, do the easy stuff. So at this point, we're playing for real now, right? I'm not holding your hand and, and, you know, you didn't understand the rules and all that stuff. The rules are the rules, right? And Matt rules the coach. Get it together um, because you have the potential, you know, to do some stuff. And, and now we're moving on to Colorado. And I will say this, and this is from experience. If you think it was intense in Minnesota, if you think the Gopher fans that were happy-go-lucky and, and willing to, when you tailgate, give you a beer, give you a burger, if you think it, that was intense, you're going, you are now officially, like they say, like they say, you are now officially going into the Lions Den in Boulder, Colorado. You are going to experience something that you remember for the rest of your sports career and the rest of your life as a player. Um, and it looks like we might have lost Jay just for a second there uh, and we'll get back to him as soon as his Wi-Fi plugs back in here but again he's talking about our upcoming game versus Colorado obviously they just beat 17 ranked TCU um, a lot to talk about there as Hunter obviously a phenomenal two-way player I mean you, you talk about Hunter's game just in general versus Colorado yesterday if he makes just one more interception he might be the Heisman front runner already and obviously you want to see how the rest of the season plays out uh, but again this is why this game is going to be so interesting is because Colorado unexpectedly uh, I mean offensively nearly dominated that game the only spot they were really lacking was their defense um, they just couldn't slow TCU down especially in that run when they really got it going there but overall TCU's uh, defense could not stop Colorado. And, again, that just kind of shows what they have talent-wise, what Dion was able to do, get over 80 new players. Uh, it's it's going to be an atmosphere, and they're ready. Jay, we lost you for a little bit there, so I took over. Yeah. You were talking about Colorado, TCU. Yeah. let you finish. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a Lions den, man. I mean, Colorado went down there. I mean, first of all, anybody expected Dion not to be – I don't know why they don't think he's a good coach, right? He's won, every, <laughs> he's won state titles in Texas. He sent numerous players to Division One. He's got he's developed pro players. Um, first of all, he's a Hall of Fame player. He's one of the most iconic players ever to play. He's one of the top five, top six players ever to play football. So when you evaluate coaches, especially in, and I know there's been a lot of former players not do well uh, that are Hall of Famers, but Dion that's not Dion, right? So when you think of how he became a great player, dedication, attention to detail, and accountability. Every player that he had that's played for him has been there. If you want another example, he Marcus Washington or was it Marcus Washington was here when Frost was here. Dion didn't sign off on him. It lets you know everything. Every other player that he's had, he signed off on. So um, because Marcus Washington wasn't up to the standard, right? He didn't hurt him from going somewhere, but he pretty much told you without telling you. And if you go back and watch and see what he did at Jackson State and watch that, you know, YouTube show you had, everything was about what we're doing here in Nebraska. So now he's on a bigger stage with resources and limited resources up in Colorado. And he has a he has an NFL quarterback. He has a legitimate college Pac-12 running back that is that Deion's coach since he's been in like fourth grade or something like that. Yeah. He has a, a plethora of receivers. The, all the defensive backs are, are pro material. 
and the offensive line, I think, was the biggest surprise, right? Yeah, because I mean, they were one eleven. <laughs> that was the one group that I mean, that's if you look at the entire roster that he had to overhaul, the the offensive line was the biggest group that it looks like he couldn't really rehaul that entire offensive line, but they still impressed, like you said. Well, he went on. The one thing Deion's did is he went on and hired a good staff. Just kind of like Nebraska, they hired a good staff. Um, guys that he knew, you get, you got a you know Nick Saban disciple as a defensive coordinator, and you hired the head coach from Kent State that was one of the best, as well known as one of the best play callers out there, and he runs an up tempo offense. So when you got speed, the best way to, I guess, smoke screen your offensive line, as you saw when when the spread offense first came out out on, in college, is run up tempo. Well, you got four legitimate NFL receivers, and you got a quarterback that's extremely accurate. I mean, extremely. So I think extremely. He's been accurate his whole life, though. The accuracy. This is the thing that people don't understand. An accurate quarterback is just an accurate quarterback. Period. Well, I'll say I'll say you this, Jay. It. This is why I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, people are saying, uh, especially for a lot of these players, they're coming from HBCUs, FCS schools. Right. Forty-six touchdowns and three interceptions. Forty-six touchdowns and three interceptions entering the game. I didn't have any question right. that he wasn't going to be a damn good quarterback heading in there. You said it yourself, like that's right. he's accurate. He's, he's going to carry at every right. level. Yeah, he is who he is. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He was a four-star recruit. He turned down Florida State, Alabama, everybody else, you know. And so, um, the different here's the thing: the difference between HBCU or in smaller colleges in Power Five isn't the skill position, guys. It's a line all over, but right. Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens. I, I mean, you could go on, on and on. Uh, all these guys that come from there. Steve McNair. It's not the skill position. It's not. It's not. It's in the line. And so what Dion was able to do is able to go out and get some starters, right? You got a starter from Alabama, starter from Florida State, and mixed in with some uh, some other guys. Went and recruited well, and uh, hired offensive line coach, and they held up pretty good. Now the defense didn't play well, so Nebraska should be thinking we got to take advantage of it. But Nebraska has to make sure that they handle their business before they try to handle Colorado business. And so, you know, it's it's going to be, you know, a, a different atmosphere. It's going to be way more intense. They're going to have to really focus in on the things that they didn't do well personally. That means us on offensive because the crowd noise is going to affect them the most in order to pull out a victory up there in Boulder. It can be done. And one thing I'll leave you with this, Harrison, if I was going to talk to the players, you are playing the Colorado Buffaloes. You aren't playing Deion Sanders. Focus on your individual matchups every single time. Lack of pressure preparation brings pressure. It's either you, it brings pressure or it brings focus. When you prepare right, the pressure doesn't affect you. It allows you to focus more. Think about your individual matchups, offense, defense, and special teams, and you go up there and play to win. Uh, they'll be just fine. So I'm excited to see them do it. We'll be back in. I'll be back in studio Tuesday. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, dealing with this uh, Wi-Fi issue. I think I got it figured <laughs> out, but a little bit, you know, too little, too late. But uh, um, we'll be back next week as well, right after Boulder. I'm coming back Saturday night. Um, big ups to uh, Advanced Medical Imaging, 7601 Pioneers Boulevard. Inside the huddle, first one. We're 0-1. Hopefully next week we'll be 1-1. Jay Foreman, appreciate Harrison making it happen. Uh, we'll talk to you next week.